Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, not everything that comes natural to us is good for us. And sometimes it's mixed. Sometimes there are things that come natural to us that aren't terrible, but they can be a problem. And uh, I want to share you three, three t- things today that are obstacles. Three things that come natural to us that are obstacles to following Christ. And the first one is this, that we all like to be right. Anybody besides me like to be right? Yeah, okay. Uh, and some of us are saying, well, what do you mean? Well, of course I'm right, right? Another thing that gets in our way becomes an obstacle to following Christ the way the Lord intends for us is that we all like to be liked. All right? We like to be liked. I've talked to you about that before. I like it when you like me. And it's not very pleasant when you don't. And the third obstacle is this, that we all like to think we've got our act together. Uh, I think usually we probably know that we don't, but we sure like to think we do. We like to look at ourselves as having it all together. And, uh, but these three things become obstacles to us when they get out of line because we are all, from the moment of conception on and through birth, born with a, what we call a sinful nature. We're born with a nature that we want to do our own thing. We're born with a nature where we want to be the ones who determine what the acceptable standards are. We want to be the Lord of our ring, okay? We want to, uh, that's our nature. And so from the time we're little, we tend to be selfish. We tend to be self-focused. We choose to love ourselves more than we love other people. We choose to love ourselves more than we love God. And so... These three things, which being right is a good thing, right? Being liked is a good thing. Having your act together is a good thing. But sin has come in and twisted all of these things. And if if we aren't diligent and pay attention, they will work against us when it comes to following Christ. So let's talk about these three things. And we're going to go to the Word and see what it says here in our 1 Corinthians. By the way, the idea, if you remember that uh, we've said that when we receive Christ as Savior, the Bible says that we have become saints. And the only way that that's true is that we become saints deep down inside in that, that core place in our being where He has made us holy and righteous. He's made us loving. Okay? He's made us all of the character qualities of Christ. Deep down inside, But we don't think that way, naturally, do we? We have to learn to think that way. Do we act that way, naturally? No, we have to what? Learn to act that way. And so our lives as Christians really is coming to believe what Jesus has said about us. What he said, what he did for us on the cross, we really need to believe that. And so when I'm faced with the temptation to sin, I need to believe what Jesus said. And what Jesus said about me is, hey, I've changed you deep down inside. Deep down inside, you do not want to sin. You want to honor me by obeying me. That's the truth. Are you going to believe that, Walt? I have to make a decision right there. Do I believe that or not? Now, the enemy's strategy is to not even to get you to think about that. 
but just to you know, make your decisions and go with what you feel like. By the way, let me say this too. Uh, three, these three things, they get in the way of people's response to the gospel too. Okay, because here's the gospel, the gospel message from scripture in, in a nice simplified form. The reality is I've always said we all are born sinners and then we sin. We live that way. We've all disobeyed God. We've all done things God said we ought not to do. We've all not done things God said to do. We've all done things, good things, but with the wrong motives. We, this is us, right? Uh, you guys with me or you just say, that's just you, Walt? No, it's all of us, right? And that has separated us from God. And that's a problem. We are dead spiritually separated from God. If we die in that condition, we will be separated from God forever in a place that's called the second death. All right? What we would typically call hell. And that's, that's our natural destiny. But God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world. His son became a human being, the man Jesus. And as he died on the cross for us, God the Father took the penalty and the guilt and blame for my sin and put it on Jesus. And for your sin and put it on Jesus. And sins of the whole world and put them on Jesus. And Jesus dies there paying the penalty in full for the sin. He rises again three days later. We know that this is true, right? What, everything that happened because he's risen, he's alive. And then the Bible tells us that if we will be honest with ourselves and with God, and acknowledge that, yes, God, I have sinned. I do sin. I've, I'm separated from you because of my sin, but I, I don't want to be. You know, and we will make that decision. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and that he did what the Bible says he did. And so by faith, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'm making a personal decision to put my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and to give me eternal life. And I did that on April 4th in 1975. Uh, how many of you can very specifically remember the time when you made that decision, right? Yes, it is that kind of a decision. But understand that this gets in the way of people making that decision. Because you know what you have to admit? If you're going to get saved, if you're going to receive Christ, you have to admit that I'm what? I'm not right. I've been wrong. You have to admit that I'm not very likable. You look at my sins. Why would God be interested in me? Why would he, he love me? We have, and we, that's a hard thing to face. And, and then we have to really, we're basically admitting we don't have our act together, right? We don't have our act together and we can't even fix it. Okay, but these natural tendencies keep people from not wanting to come to that place. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit works and uses the word of God and people do come to that. And I would say to you, if you're here today or you're watching here today or you're listening at a later time and you haven't made that decision where that once and for all thing, I'm not talking about being religious, I'm not talking about going to church, I'm not talking about getting baptized, I'm talking about you and God, you coming to God and saying, oh God, that's me, I am the one who needs to be saved, I need your forgiveness, I believe in Jesus and trust in him because I can't fix it myself. If you haven't ever done that, do it right now. Right in your heart with poor God, do it. So these three things not only get in the way of people coming to Christ, but it gets in the way of then following Christ. So let's go to the scripture. And as uh, so we've been in 1 Corinthians here, and let's take a look at what the scripture says related to these things and us becoming faithful followers of Christ. And uh, well, let me talk first of all about uh, the... Um, 
the first of these things. We all like to be right. Okay, we all like to be right. When do you think that shows up in a person's life? How old are they when this shows up in their life? Not very old, right? It shows up, you know? Because you, you want to tell your child, you know, maybe your grandchildren, wait, wait, wait a minute, no, no, it's not that way. We need to do it this way. And very often the natural tendency is what? No, no, no. I do it. I, my way. Why? Because we think we are what? Right. We think we're right. Now, um, this doesn't mean in life that we never let other people help us or that we don't acknowledge sometimes we're not right. But what happens is, they've said, this sin thing that's, that's there comes in and twists. And sometimes, all of a sudden, it shines this bright light on, if you admit you're not right, how are you going to deal with that? What will other people think? All that kind of stuff, right? And so then we struggle with, no, 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 I'm right. Okay. So, Seems like, well, not a big deal, right? But here's what happens as we go through life, wanting to feel like we're right about things. Um, and again, trying to be right is a good thing. But what happens is it starts to get a little bit twisted up because it stops being about that I just want to be right, but I need to be right and you need to be wrong. And we start needing other people to be wrong so we can feel right. Have you ever known anybody who held a position on something, believed they were right about something, and it's kind of shown that, well, wait a minute, maybe they're not, or it's challenged, and maybe they even are right, but the idea is they cannot live with that. I can't live with you possibly being right. You have to be wrong or I can't be right. You see? And so, have you ever known that? Some of people get to the place where they feel like, you know, everybody else needs to be wrong. <laughs> okay, see, so that's a bad thing, isn't it? And when we start focusing on that, this is where we begin to make judgments of other people. We become judgmental about them. And what's happened is we have transitioned to where being right is more important to us than this person standing in front of us. Me being right, I care more about that than I care about you. Now, don't hear me saying that I'm going to say, if, if I really am convinced I'm right about something, that... I'm not going to hold to that even if you disagree. That's not what we're talking about. It's the idea of how I view myself and me being right, that I care more about that than you. Because if I'm right, I can still engage with you and love you and care about you and try to figure out where you're at and help you. I don't have to prove to you that I'm right. Probably it's I don't have to prove to myself. Because that's really where the internal struggle is, isn't it? All right, so but we can become judgmental, and like I said, that judgmental, that line is crossed when we start caring more about being right than we do about other people. Um, they come and challenge Jesus, and they say to him, they want to catch him in something they can argue with, and they say, so, okay, what's the greatest commandment, the most important commandment? And Jesus said to them, make sure you're always right. No, I didn't. 
said, love God with your whole being, which means you're going to try to get things right. But then he says, the second one's like it. It's right up there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so your neighbor, this other people in your life, you need to love them as much as you love you and care for them in that way. So it's not about being right. And when it is about being right, we become judgmental. Let's go to the letter here, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's probably one in the chairs there in front of you somewhere. We encourage you to grab that and turn to page 1313. 1313. Okay? Follow along. I think it'll be helpful to you. So he starts off. Remember the context. Remember what's going on in Corinth? He starts off. He says, you guys are divided. There's division in you. You aren't unified like you ought to be. And you're disagreeing about which person you want to follow. Some of you say, and you're following Paul. Some of you say, Apollos. Some of you say, Peter. And you're divided about this. And he says, man, that is just immature. That is not spiritual. He talks about all that. But that is the context in which these words are written. Verse 1, he says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. All right. So we want to be faithful, and now all these judgments are being made. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Now, when I... I reading through 1 Corinthians a number of months ago. I'd started reading through it on my own, which is what kind of led me to start preaching it later. But I read that, and I just kind of sat back and said, okay, wait a minute. I've, I've read the Bible numerous times, and I just don't remember that. What did he say? In fact, I do not even judge myself. Did Paul not make judgments about what he thought was right and wrong? Suppose he did. He made decisions, judgments about what he ought to do, what he ought not to do, how he ought to do. He made those kind of judgments all the time. But what he's saying here is this idea that our Christian life is not about making judgments. Even about ourselves. We don't have to, oh, hyper, hyper judgmental even about myself. Am I doing this right? Am I not? Am I, you know, I'm not, not going there. Verse 5, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Do you catch the drift of verse 7 there? So let me ask you a question. What do you have? And you think, wow, this is so good that I have this. That is not somehow, you can't trace that back that you have received this from God. How about your natural abilities? Where'd you get those? I'm asking you. You got your natural abilities from God. How about your ability to do work? From God. The opportunity to work. 
God, okay? So you've taken all of that and used that, and now maybe you've, you've been able to purchase things, you've maybe got promotions, you've got all, all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden you want to say, oh, look what I did. And, and the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit are challenging us to say, uh, wait a minute, excuse me? What do you have that you did not receive? Why are you boasting? And so here you are making judgments in the church. Well, I, I support Paul. I support Peter. I support Paulus. I support Walt. I support Dave. I'm behind who? He says, what is going on here? You need to humble yourself. All right, so this idea of I've got to be right. We overcome this obstacle when we understand this, that following Christ means choosing to be humble instead of judgmental. Choosing to be humble instead of judgmental. Because in reality, if I want to, this is, this is kind of tricky sometimes to explain, and I hope that I'm making this clear to you. This is not saying that we don't make judgments. Right? In other words, I, I, you and I as Christians, we must take the word of God and look at it and make judgments. And sometimes that's about ourselves, and sometimes that's about other people. So here's what the Bible says. And so that's a judgment. But being judgmental is another thing. And again, that's where it goes back to, I have to be right. And I don't care how it affects you. I have to be right. And so we hurt people. You think this is Jesus. When the woman who's caught in adultery Right? They bring her before him. Yeah, it was a setup, right? We know that whole story. And, and finally they all feel guilty and they leave. And Jesus says, so where are your condemners? She says, they aren't here anymore, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go. And what? Sin no more. You see, it wasn't that no judgment was made, but let me ask you, what was most important to Jesus at that time? Proving and showing he was right or the well-being of this woman? It's the well-being of that woman, wasn't it? I don't condemn you. Don't go sin again. Stop. That's not good for you. But he cared about her. And so it is. You know, and this is the ugly, ugly stuff I've seen amongst Christians. And, and I, when I say that, I mean, it's always the, the potential and the tendency is there in me sometimes, too. Because, believe it or not, I have opinions about what the Bible says. Anybody suppose I do? I have some strong beliefs about what I think the Bible says. Okay? And so even this tendency could be in me if I want to focus more on being right. But there are people, there are whole ministries that the only thing they are about is showing how everybody else is wrong. And that is judgmentalism. And that does not speak to the world of a a body of Christ who love each other so that the world can know that they're Christians. There are times and places to deal with issues and ways. But are you guys getting what I'm talking about, the difference? Okay. All right. So following Christ means choosing to be humble instead of that. And the reality is that what if somebody is wrong about something? They really are. You're convinced of it, and you're right. Are you willing to let proving your right go in order to help that other person? 
And I said, okay, uh, for the sake of argument, let's say you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with about that. And then help them. Help them get to where they need to be. You know, sometimes you're talking to people who are holding positions and living ways in their lives based on what they see and what they understand. And because of what they see and what they understand, they can't see what you're saying. You know what I'm talking about? They, they aren't there yet. You wish they were. Maybe you think they should be, but they aren't there yet. But you are. And so what are you going to do? Try to change them, get mad at them because they won't change and, you know, push in on them? Or do you realize they're in a bad place? I'm going to let that issue go and I'm going to move in to their lives and encourage them, love them, care about them, help them, because I want to see them get to the place where they can see what's really true. Boy, that's with people who don't know Christ as well as people who do know Christ. Again, it's about this person in front of you being important to you, isn't it? That's a, man, so many things in the Christian life, maybe everything, finally boils down to this love thing, doesn't it? <laughs> Loving. Speaking the truth in love. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so I think, you know, humility realizes something. When, when humility is, is governing me, I realize that I could be wrong. Uh, I bet some people of you in here today know somebody who couldn't ever be wrong. It might be you. But when we're being humble, we realize we could be wrong. And I think I've told you this story before. I know I've told individuals this story before, but in my father's spiritual development, after my mom had passed away and he spent time with us and we talked about Bible, we came to church here some, we went to Word of Life together. And we had conversations, but early in that time, he was very resistant to this clear understanding of the gospel. Very resistant. And one day, we're talking, we're sitting at the dining room table, I can picture it right there, where I was, where he was, and he said to me, could you be wrong? Now he's asking me, and I, by nature, am a teacher. I am figured this stuff out. I know what the Bible says. I can give you all the reasons why we can count on the Bible, why Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, I know all of that. And so guess what my natural tendency would be to say? No, I can't be wrong about this. But that's a mindset. And by God's grace and His Holy Spirit's work in my life, I stopped and I said, yeah, I could be wrong. I said, I'm persuaded, Dad. I'm persuaded that it's true, but, but it's not about me being right. I could be wrong. And I, I kid you not, I watched my father that day relax with me. He relaxed. And it began a relationship that I believe he ultimately came to Christ. And um, so this is what we need to do. We need to care about people and not make it be about us being right. All right, well, we need to move on to the next one. Um, so... The second natural thing to us is that we all like to be liked. Following Christ, you know, we, we want to be liked. 
And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked, but the problem is when we want to be liked more than we want to honor God, right? More than we want to do what's right, uh, you know, living for the Lord, when we care more about what other people think than what God thinks. And Scripture warns us of this. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says that the fear of man brings a snare. And fear of man is this idea of I care way too much what you think, right? I care what you think of me. I'm kind of afraid of what you think of me, so I, I'm careful around you. I act one way when I'm in public. I act another way when I'm in private, right? We're caring, but it's a trap. He says it's a trap. Uh, two other translations say it this way. The New Living Translation says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's not good for you. It's bad for you. Uh, the message, which is a paraphrase, says it like this. The fear of human opinion disables. And what it disables you from is making good and right choices in humility to follow the Lord because you're too worried about what other people think about you. Okay? So, um, by the way, th- what it does is when we live like that, it l- we aren't honest with other people. When I care too much about what you think about me, you know what, I'm, I'm no longer honest with you because what I am is what I think I need to be in front of you. You guys are awfully quiet and still. And I'm not telling you, I do try to be open with you. I try to be real with you. But I'm just saying, that's the reality, right? When, and, and so when that's the case, we're no longer honest and, and we start doing things or saying things to get a response from you. Guess what? That's called manipulation. It's a real ugly place to be. And it's a dangerous place for us. And so here's the next thing. Following Christ means choosing to stop worrying about what other people think of us. Let's look at the scripture here. Um, the Apostle Paul kind of challenges them here. And, and I think it's in a way, um, it's not sarcastic, but he's, he's challenging them. Let's, let's see what he says. Verse 8. He says, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. You say, oh, you guys so got it together. (laughs) You are such wonderful people. And you have ugly division. (laughs) No, they aren't. But see, what were they trying to be, present themselves as? Hey, we're, we're full, we're rich, we're doing well. He says, indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. And then he says this, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men, a spectacle, like a theatrical presentation, people watching us. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. And I try to figure out what, what's the point, what he's trying to say here. When I think he's being a little facetious when he says you are wise in Christ. Because if you're wise in Christ, do you get caught up in division? No. If you are strong spiritually, do you get caught up in division? Do you? No. If you are distinguished and honorable. Do you get caught up in the vision? No, you don't. And this is what Paul's trying to say. This is how you guys see yourself. You say, oh, we're, we're wise and we're strong and we're distinguished. That's, we're presenting ourselves, right? Because we're caring about what other people think of us. And Paul says, but not us. We're fools. We're weak. 
We're dishonored. Verse 11, to the present hour we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. We're just manual labors. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. So, but we are reviled. We are persecuted. We are defamed. We've been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Uh, here's the words. If, if we were going to take these words that are uh, translated from the Greek here into an English example, what he's saying is you have a pan a frying pan that you have cooked your food in and then you didn't take it all out and you left it there and the next day you come and look at it. Okay, are you going to eat it? Well, if you're a bachelor, you might. <laughs> so let's make it three days, okay? <laughs> the point is, right, you're going to do what? You're going to throw that away. That's, that's, what he, that's what the word means there when it says made as the filth of the world. That's, the word means garbage. It means refuse. It means trash. So you throw it away. And now the pan. Is it ready to cook? Only if you're a bachelor. <laughs> no, it isn't ready to cook. What do you do? You take it and you put hot water in it and soap and you wash it all out and clean it out. That's what this offscouring of all things means. And so this is the way Paul describes himself. He says, as far as the world is concerned, we are refuse and garbage and something they want to wipe away and get rid of. And then verse 16, he says, therefore I urge you, imitate me. <laughs> Wait a minute, Paul. Fools, weak, dishonored, condemned to death, Hungry, thirsty, poor, poorly clothed, beaten, homeless. All those things. And Paul says, what? Two words. Imitate me. Be like me. Okay. I'm kind of confused here. <laughs> What's going on here is Paul is saying that... Uh, it's much more important to follow Christ faithfully than it is to be liked. Right? You get it? Do I need to say more? Following Christ faithfully, we choose to stop worrying about what other people think and we choose to be, care more about what God thinks. And then whatever they think, so be it. Now, this brings us to the third struggle, and that's that, uh, you know, following Christ, um, excuse me, that we all want to see ourselves as having our act together. But here's the deal. Following Christ means choosing God's ways over the world's values. Let me show you how this, what, what do I mean by that? Let's go back to verse 13. Being defamed, we entreat. Then he says this, we have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. I am the one that brought you the gospel. I'm the one God used to bring you to Christ. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. 
And I would say to you that this desire that we have to have our act together and to seem like we have our act together. Have you ever seen someone who, maybe a Christian, maybe not a Christian, but I think it may be more likely a Christian, and you say, oh man, that doesn't seem very Christ-like. That isn't the way I, I want to be, or you know, how they interact, whatever. And, and you might be 100% right about that, but what you start concluding is, I, I don't want to be that person. When I think about how to be a Christian, I don't want to be that person. Because if I'm that person, how will I ever be able to reach anybody for Christ? And what's unsaid there is because it all depends on me. Does it all depend on you whether or not someone comes to Christ? Hmm, you have a role to play, but it isn't about your strengths, isn't about your ability, isn't about you saying, oh, I'm so wise. (laughs) And acting, I'm not that person, so I can reach you for Christ. No, following Christ means choosing God's ways over the world's values. What does the world value? The world values all of these opposites of what Paul was. And Paul yet says, okay, so I'm, you know, you see yourself all these good things, and here's the way I'm seeing. Who reached you for Christ? Who did God use to bring you to Christ? The one who was the filth of this world and the offscouring, right? That's who God used. Imitate me. Be like me. Don't look to the world's values to determine whether or not you've got your act together. Well, the world values this, and the world values that, and the world values the other thing, all that. And you start trying to be those things and and be like those people and live up to that. and uh, (laughs) Give up on that. Stop valuing what the world thinks is important and value much more walking with the Lord, doing what he wants you to do, the way he wants you to, all the things we've talked about today and all things I could keep talking about, but I'm not going to. Okay, so these three things, following Christ means choosing to humble yourself instead of becoming judgmental. It's not about you being right. It's not about you being liked. You need to stop worrying about what other people think of you and be more concerned about what Christ thinks of you. And then finally, stop trying to look at how the world evaluates things and having your act together and say, no, no, it's not about that. It's about valuing what God says is important. And if the world doesn't like it, God can still use me, just like he used Paul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, you would challenge us deep down inside about these things in our lives. Whatever you've spoken to us individually here today, Lord, about these things, something that you brought to mind, put in our hearts, I pray we would just be submissive to you with this, Lord, and run with it. We want to be people that you use. We want to be people who, man, we want to value what you say is important, and we know that will make us effective witnesses, whether the world thinks so or not. When we value what you think is important, Lord, it will change our lives, and we will change lives because of it. I do pray again, Father, for any 
who are here, who are watching, who are listening, who haven't accepted your son as Savior. I pray they would without delay, Lord, make that decision with you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.